Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I'd like to begin this episode by turning in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. That's the last chapter of the Gospel, and we will be reading in verse 14 and going all the way through verse 23. We should mention that this event occurs by the Sea of Galilee, where the apostles had fished all night and caught nothing. When Jesus came to them in the morning and instructed them to cast the net on the right side of the ship, they were not able to draw the net in for the multitude of fish they had caught. As a matter of fact, when they finally did get the net to land, they had 153 large fish. Surely Bible students will remember an earlier time when something of this nature had taken place in Luke chapter 5. At any rate, I want to begin reading in verse 14. There the Bible tells us, This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore this saying went out among the brethren that that disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? In this passage, the Lord spoke to Peter about the manner of death he would face when he grew older. Without going into all of the details, I believe the Lord was telling Peter that a martyr's death awaited him. And even though no one knows with absolute certainty, there is a tradition that Peter was ultimately crucified and that he requested that it be upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same position as his Lord had been crucified. You might note that as Jesus finished telling Peter about the fate that awaited him, 
he said, you follow me. When Jesus was done, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that is pretty clearly John, and he asked Jesus, Lord, what about this man? I believe that Peter's question concerning John was not prompted by mere curiosity, nor by jealousy or any other less than proper motive. I believe it was prompted by love. Peter and John had been so closely linked through the years. There are those who believe they may have been partners in business. Along with James, they had been kind of the inner circle with the Lord. They were the ones in the house of Jairus to witness the raising of his daughter. They were at the Mount of Transfiguration and in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter and John had run to the tomb when they heard that the Lord had risen. They certainly seemed to have been very close. So Peter wanted to know what was going to happen with John. I believe that there is a tremendous lesson to be learned from the Lord's response. If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. The great lesson is personal responsibility. When it comes to service to the Lord, when it comes to duty and responsibility, my first and primary concern must be with me. I need to do what I need to do regardless of what happens to anybody else and regardless of what anybody else does. My friends, being a Christian is an individual matter between each person and the Lord. When all is said and done, Whether I go to heaven when I die depends upon how I have responded to the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. It depends whether or not I have accepted the marvelous grace of God, whether or not I have embraced the free gift of salvation, and not what anybody else has done or has not done. Jesus knocks on the door of my heart through the call of the gospel. Nobody can open the door and let him in but me. All who would be a Christian must believe that Jesus is the Christ that he is the Son of God. But who does the believing? Do my grandmother or grandfather believe for me? Do my mom and dad believe for me? Am I going to be judged on the basis of what my brethren and sisters believe? Or what my friends at work or school happen to hold to? No. I'm going to be judged on the basis of what I believe and what I have done. Over the years, so many have said, if it was good enough for mom and dad, it's good enough for me. The truth is, no, it is not. Even if mom and dad were faithful Christians, mom and dad's salvation doesn't save me. Jesus told Peter, you follow me. If mom and dad did not hold to the truth, that does not cause me to be lost unless I let it. When I know the truth, when I know what the Lord would have me to do, then I must believe it and do it regardless of mom and dad, regardless of brothers and sisters, regardless of friends. Do you remember what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 39? In that passage, Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace in the earth, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. That is all personal and individual. My friends, all who would be a Christian must repent. But again we ask, who does the repenting? The answer is, I do. If I am committing a sin, then I must repent. And it doesn't do any good or change anything at all to point the finger at someone else and say, well, they were doing it too, or look at what so-and-so is doing. The way we react sometimes when what is truly called for is repentance reminds me of what happened with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. After they had sinned, do you remember what happened? Looking at Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 13, we find, Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Did you notice there? Repentance was called for, but what was the reaction? The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Adam blamed the woman and actually God because God gave her to him. What about Eve? She blamed the serpent. But you know what? Adam was responsible for what Adam did and Eve was responsible for what Eve did. So if I'm doing things that I ought not to do, then I have got to stop it, and it doesn't matter if my friends are doing it or my wife or my husband is doing it. If repentance is called for, then I must repent. If I'm being unfaithful in my service and attendance, then I need to be faithful, and it doesn't matter if my wife or husband is going to help or hinder me in that. I will not be able to say to the Lord, look at what they made me do. My friends, every person who would be a Christian must confess the Lord. Again, we ask, who must do the confessing? Before I became a Christian, I was a godparent for one of my nieces in the Catholic Church. As the priest was pouring a little water on her head, I was asked if I believed and if I renounced Satan, but I was answering for her. The truth is, nobody can answer for anybody else. There is the initial confession that we make of our belief in Jesus and that is a verbal affirmation. But confession continues every day in what we say, what we do, what we wear, what we think, and how we act. I can't get to heaven on anybody else's coattails. John was another who preached personal responsibility. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3 where we will read verses 7 through 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Evidently, to a large degree, these individuals thought that their salvation was a foregone conclusion because they were descendants of Abraham, but the coattails of Abraham would not bring them to salvation. 
they were responsible individually to do what was right. I will not be able to get to heaven on the basis of Vicki's daily confession of her faith in Jesus through both word and deed. The fact that the majority of the members of the Northern Kentucky congregation are strong and faithful servants of the Lord who truly confess Him every day through the way that they live and the things that they do, that won't get me to heaven. I have to be a faithful and strong servant of the Lord and confess Him every day through the things that I say and do. Now understanding something as well, just as I won't be saved on the basis of what others do, I will not be lost on the basis of what others do either. It is an individual matter. Come to the book of Revelation with me and we'll look at the letter to the church in Sardis found in chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. It says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars say this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy." The church at Sardis was characterized by those who were spiritually dead and displeasing to the Lord. There is no word of commendation to the congregation there as a whole. Yet the Lord looked at each individual and saw that there were some who were faithful in confessing him every day. We all know that anyone who would be a Christian must be baptized for the remission of their sins. This is also an individual matter. You cannot be baptized for me, and I cannot be baptized for you. Remember that Peter said, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The idea of baptism by proxy, or baptism for the dead, in the sense of giving those who have died a second chance, is simply not taught in the Word of God. There was a statement that Jesus made in John 8, 31 and 32. Our Lord said, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Our individual responsibility to the Lord does not end when we rise from the waters of baptism. In truth, it is just beginning. Think of the responsibilities that all have as it relates to worship. We do these things together, but as individuals. 1 Corinthians 11, 27-29 emphasizes the individual aspect of the Lord's Supper. We must each examine ourselves individually. And by the way, when we each became a Christian, we made an appointment with the Lord to commune with Him in the Lord's Supper each and every first day of the week. I need to be there. I need to do that. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 emphasizes the individual aspect of the contribution. It is on the first day of the week each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. Colossians 3.16 with the words teaching and admonishing one another emphasizes the individual aspect of singing, each of us teaching and admonishing the other. We all have the individual responsibility not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Vicky's attendance at service does not take care of my responsibility. 
the idea of a family being represented at services because one of the Christians in that family is present just is not found in the scriptures. Really, Christians need to reach the point where even if everybody else became unfaithful, even if everybody else forsook the Lord, went into sin, and began to embrace error, I would be faithful. I'm not going to be judged as a part of a group, and I'm not going to be lost as a part of a group. If my spouse is not a Christian, I will be faithful. If my children never obey the Lord, or if they get into all kinds of trouble, I will be faithful. If the walls of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ should ever begin to reverberate with the sounds of false teaching, I will rise up and be faithful. If all my brethren go into sin, I will be faithful. If the world belittles and ridicules my stand for the truth, I will be faithful. You see what I mean? The responsibility is mine. Look with me at Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Paul wrote, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you notice that in all of those things mentioned, death, life, angels, principalities, and so on, that cannot separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, there is one missing. The one who can separate me is me. It is an individual responsibility. We'll close by turning to Joshua 24 in what can be called Joshua's final address to the children of Israel. In verses 14 through 15, we find him saying to all the people, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the point I've been trying to make. No matter what happens in this life, we must all get to the place where we can truthfully and sincerely say, I will serve the Lord. Thanks for listening. I hope you've received some benefit from this episode today.